0: Very soon, when Moshiach comes, we will greet him with joy, with singing and dancing, and together we will sing.
1: Welcome to
2: Sunday Shmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective.
3: Here's Rabbi Mendy. Shavua Tov. Agut Thanks so much for joining us today on Sunday Shmooze program. It's really exciting to get your feedback each week. So I know many of you take the time to send me feedback, both positive and constructive criticism. And I really appreciate it. Uh, um whether it's how you like the show's format, or what you liked in, the, in today's show or yesterday's show or last week's show. I'd love to hear from you, and I hope you'll continue sending me your feedback. I know I got a lot of feedback last week um, after uh, I posted the story that Rabbi Yy told. It was a very, very powerful story, and I'm happy that so many of you have uh, appreciated that, and we'll do it again in the future. Today, we're ready in the month of Adar. Last week, we ready. It was before last Sunday night was Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month. So we were just about getting ready to get into the month of Adar, but now we're ready there. And the month of Adar is Mishanichnas Adar Marvim Besimcha. When we enter into the month of Adar. And as we talked yesterday, when we enter the month of Adar, even if not everything is perfect in our lives, even if, or even for the fact that we're still in exile and Mashiach hasn't come yet, nonetheless, mar bim we add enjoy, joy. And we find ways and reasons to add enjoy. joy. One of the biggest ways we talked about at the Fabrengen yesterday was by studying Torah. In fact, it says that when one studies Torah, it gladdens the heart. You feel you feel joyful after a study of session of Torah, after a fablengin, when you do a mitzvah, you feel good about it. That's one way to be joyous. Another way to be joyous is simply when there's music, get up and dance. You know, it's very difficult, very difficult. It's possible, but very difficult, and you have to be a real, really good at it to be able to dance to, you know, good Jewish music while being sad. Again, there are some people that are, are uh, professionals at being able to turn a joyous Hasidic uh, d- dance into a, a, a sad moment. But you have to be good at it. For most of us, if you get up and dance, you'll be happy. And today we'll have some, plenty of that music for you to get up and dance for. And finally, one of the best ways to be happy... Is by making someone else happy. There's no greater joy when you make someone else happy. And and you can do that in many ways, including through doing a mitzvah, including through dancing with someone. If you dance, you you know, you're in shul and there's there's a song and everyone gets up to dance and you, you help someone else dance along with you, that brings them joy too. But most importantly, especially what's going on now as we're coming up to the holiday of Purim. You have the opportunity to bring joy to someone else. And that's by uh, giving Shalach by giving some of the gifts that we're giving through the Purim Project, as well as inviting people to come along with you to the Purim dinner party, which will take place next week on Tuesday evening. So there you have it. Very easy ways to... Help others and make them happy. So if you want to volunteer and you want to give out some of these hundreds of packages that we're going to be delivering around town, so starting today, this afternoon, already we have 20 volunteers coming today to pick up packages. Some are taking five and delivering, some are taking 25 and some are even taking close to 50 packages to deliver. If you want to do that and you want to bring joy to many people and as a, uh, side note, as a, a side benefit, bring yourself much joy, then send an email to Rachi, R-O-C-H-Y at G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com, Rachi at and let her know how many uh, gift packages you're able to deliver and when you'd like to come pick them up. And you have all week to deliver them. So if you pick it up today or you pick it up tomorrow... You can deliver it anytime, at least a week, to make sure it gets to people before Purim. So there you have it. We're in the month of Adar. It's a month of joy, and now you have ways to add joy into your life. Let's begin right now by uh, saying the Shema. So guys, if you can please grab a yarmulke or something to put over your head. And everyone together, cover your eyes with your right hand. Let's say together. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch, Shem, Kivod, Malchuso, Le'olam, Va'ed. Of course, you can take your hand off your eyes. And if you have a pushka, some coins to give tzedakah, every day is a good day to give tzedakah. In fact, it's a good idea to give tzedakah every morning. Um, but of course, the beginning of the week, and we're in the month of Vadar, we're looking to do things, bring joy to other people. So grab a coin and put it into your Andy pushka that's probably in your kitchen. If not, you should have one there. And today, I don't know, we had a uh, nice minion yesterday, and, and we had uh, beautiful, beautiful Kiddush and Fabrengan. And then last night, we made a special minion for a couple of people that needed to say Kaddish. Uh, some had yard site, one is saying cottage throughout the year. So um, when that happens, you know, one of the some people might call it an upside, some people might call it a downside of being a rabbi and living you know in such close proximity to the shulas that when there's leftover cake, I get to eat it. So now you know some of the secrets that go on around here. Anyway, so I have a piece of cake. And I'm going to say a bracha on a piece of cake. So if you have a cookie or a cake or something like that and you want to say a blessing with me, please hold it in your hand and say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Minei Mizonas. And if you have a drink, I have my handy mug of coffee. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehakol Nehiyah ah, And now, let's start off today's show. Well, we're at least, uh, what is it, about eight minutes in with an amazing song about Uh This is a song by um, God Elbaz. God Elbaz is a great Israeli singer. He sings about Ahasuerus, the king, but also the story of Purim. Um it's actually a great video to watch because he has this all these uh, antics about dressing up for Purim. As you know, this uh, next Tuesday when we have our major Purim party, a Purim dinner party, the theme this year is going to be the interna- international HaKel theme. It's a year of HaKel, bringing Jews together. So why not bring Jews together from all over the world? So people are, are uh, able to dress up in the costume of any country. You pick the country and you can dress up in that costume. That's perfectly fine. So dressing up is a, is, is a great... And this video that God Al-Baz does with the song, as he's telling the story, is people dressing up of, of all different nations. So it's really, really cool uh, to watch the video. But I'm going to play the song, and we don't have um, video capability on our show, at least not yet. So enjoy um, Achashverosh by God Elbaz. baz Come on, get up and dance.
2: Once there was a mighty king, Ahashverosh was his name. From the land of Persia, we hear that he came. It is very difficult to try to explain how we ever managed to get the silly name. Ahashverosh. His advisor persuaded the king To slay the Jews of Shushan, almighty king Jews of the kingdom, they wept, they cried They didn't know what to do, how to save their lives HaTzadik told us the news She called for days of prayer And fasted with the Jews Esther planned a banquet for the kids As men, she told Achash ve'erosh Our wicked plans Ach, with anger and rose into a rage. (laughs)
3: Wow, great song. I love, I love God Elbaz. Now, I, I know I talked about the song and I talked about the name of the song. It was a great way for us to learn the story of Purim. But did I mention who Ahasuerus was? I probably did, but just in case I didn't, or maybe you, you tuned in late. Ahasuerus was the king in the Purim story. You know, Haman was the, the uh, psychopath who wanted to wipe out the Jewish people. And we have Haman's even in today's day. Ahasuerus was the king who at first went along with Haman. And maybe Ahasuerus was just as bad and some people say even worse than Haman himself. And in the end, had Haman hanged when he realized that Haman wanted to kill the Jewish people, which meant also his wife Esther. Now, interestingly, I mentioned that Ahasuerus, on one hand, looks like a, a hero in our story. But oftentimes it's brought down um, that Achashverosh was really somewhat worse than Haman himself, and the wor- and because of that, the name Achashverosh in Hebrew. If you break up that word, you get the word Chash Berosh. Hebrew word of the day brought to you by um, the uh, Armenes who are going to be here for Purim, by the way. So if you want to see our old Gabai. Uh, join us for Purim. They'll be here with us. So, Chash um, means, means he has a headache. In, in modern Hebrew, you could say Ke'evrosh, which means a, a pain in the head. Chash Berosh means he's feeling a headache. And, and indeed, Achashverosh was that kind of guy. He was a, a headache for many, many people. So earlier, you know, I was talking about the cake that I'm lucky to have by uh, when I you know lives in such close proximity to the shul, which reminded me about the story of my of, of, of my uh, my friend Shirley Sharfman. You know Shirley Sharfman, right? Well, she was in a diet club, and while she was one of, at one of the meetings, she was quetching uh, about the fact that she was gaining weight. Oi, she said, "Let me tell you why I'm gaining weight. I made the best." chocolate cake that everyone in my family loves. And I made it for Shabbos. And Friday night at the Shabbos dinner, you know, we cut up cake for, for dessert and we gave out half of it. Half the cake went for dessert. Everyone ate a piece. But then, I woke up Shabbos morning and everyone was still asleep. And I saw the half cake was still there. So they kept, I kept staring at this other half of cake. And finally... I couldn't hold myself back, so I took a little, a thin slice, a a little sliver of cake. But you know how it goes. One slice is never enough. So one slice led to another slice, and soon, the entire half of cake was gone. I was was so disappointed. I was disappointed about my, you know, without, I didn't have uh, the willpower to hold myself back. But I also knew how disappointed my husband would be when he finds out on Sunday morning, when he finds out that I ate half the cake. Everyone was like feeling so bad for her. Oh, we feel so bad that you ended up like this. And everyone in the group asked her, so what happened when your husband found out that you finished the entire cake or the half a cake? Shirley smiled and she said, no, 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 no. My husband never found out. Simply, as soon as Shabbos was out, I made another cake and I ate half. So that sometimes happens uh, to me. Well, I don't bake the cakes, but you know what I'm talking about. So here's the thing. What's a better way to live? Is it better to live like a rich person or to live like a poor person? What I mean by that, I'm not asking about how much money you should have in your bank account. I'm really talking about how you live your life, despite how much you have in your bank account. I'm sure every one of you know people who have no money, and yet they seem to be doing perfectly fine, and there are people who have loads of money, and no matter what, whenever you talk to them, they're always complaining about some issue or another about their money. We all know people like that in every, in every direction. But you know what? I try to live my life like a millionaire. Did you know that? Can, can't you tell? So what I mean by that, you know, some people might say, well, what, what do you mean you, you want to live like a millionaire? Well, I'm not saying that I have this burning desire to live in some huge mansion. I don't want to own a private jet. And I'm not looking... To take my family every weekend on a cruise on a super yacht. I don't even want to own a super yacht. I'm not even sure I ever want to go on a super yacht. But what I am saying is that I want to have the mindset of a millionaire. Let me explain. You know, if 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 two people were trying to build a shul, they're trying to build a synagogue. One has an unlimited amount of uh, funds. The other person who's trying to build a shul is working on a really tight budget. It's not hard to guess that the synagogue that's being built by the one who's who has unlimited funds is going to be much more beautiful than the other one. See, because when someone's working on a tight budget, then obviously every decision is going to be judged, based on can we do it? Do we have enough money for it? And then even when you decide that you can do it or you want to do it, the the essential question that comes up after that is how can we do it by spending even less? So what's the end result of such a shul? A shul like that, they'll generally choose Um, The practical solution, you'll see practicality will rule over aesthetics. And then, you'll end up with a shul that looks okay, but obviously could look so much nicer. But when you're not limited by any budgetary constraints, then you go all out. And that's what I try to do. When I say I, I say we. Rocky and I have decided that we want to have the big thinking mindset of wealthy people. We want to have that mindset of, I can do it. And we can do it the best way without cutting quarters. It's an attitude. And you can see that attitude in the various programs we try to bring to our community here. Whether it's the way we do Passover, whether it's the way we do Purim, you know, Purim with with the the Purim project, how we, we go all out The beautiful gifts that we put, you know, yeah, we could easily send out, you know, a Hamantash and 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 a, you know, a candy, but that's not enough. We want it to look presentable. We want people to gain something out of what we send. So when we do it, we try to always have this wealthy mindset, and you can do it too. You can have that mindset always of I can do it, and I'm gonna argue. That this is this type of living is really a Torah value. So let me tell you why. Yesterday we started reading the Torah portion of Teruma. Over the next few weeks, five weeks in fact, starting from yesterday all the way four four more Shabbosim, we're going to read about the building of the Mikdash, the building of the sanctuary. So the Mikdash, the base of Mikdash, the holy temple was the place that we built for Hashem's presence to be in this world. So the first one, the first temple, was built as a mishkan, a temporary structure that traveled with the Jewish people when they were traversing the desert for 40 years. Then later, eventually 400 years after that, they built the temple in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, on the Temple Mount. Oh, I have a great song I gotta play. Okay, I'm going to play that song after Mordecai and David's Yerushalayim is not for sale. You know, oftentimes people talk about how Jerusalem is, is expendable. And in truth, Jerusalem, Yerushalayim is not for sale. It's not expendable. Anyway, because our temple was built on the Temple Mount almost 3,000 years ago. And that has been the holy place for the Jewish people ever since. So, where the temple was built was a holy place. But besides it being a holy place, the temple being a holy place, besides that, it was stunningly beautiful. And it wasn't only about the beauty of the structure of the actual temple, but every aspect of the Mikdash, every aspect of the service done within it, was done in a manner that was befitting great wealth. In the words of the Talmud, There's no poverty in a place of wealth. After all, this is the house of God. This is the house of the creator of heaven and earth. It should be the most beautiful place on earth. So, the builders of the Mikdash had this big thinking attitude. And they built it in the most beautiful, beautiful You might say, wealthy way. The fact is, and this is so important to realize, that every single one of us are Mikdash builders. Every single one of us can and should act like a Mikdash builder. And why are we Mikdash builders? Because when God told the Jewish people to build this temple, to build the sanctuary, He used a very unusual phrase. He said, you should build a temple for me. You should build a sanctuary for me and I'll dwell in them. And the sages point out that the, the seemingly the correct um, language to be used in such a sentence should be build for me a sanctuary and I'll dwell in it. Referring to the Mikdash, referring to the Mishkan, uh, to, to the temple. Why does it God say build a sanctuary and I'll dwell in them? God's choice of language makes it clear that the goal is not only building a central sanctuary. We also have to endeavor to build our own sanctuary within us. Not only within us, but within our homes, within our workplaces, and within our journeys. We need to make sure that each one of our homes, each one of the places that we go to every day, whether it's to work or to any other place that we go to, or any journey we take, has to be filled with holiness and godliness. You know, we start off the show every week by giving tzedakah. Can you imagine if you did that every day? You make your whole day into a charitable day. If you take five minutes a day, at least five minutes, and you study some Torah, your whole day is filled with a Torah-like viewpoint. And if during work... You stop for 5 or 10 minutes and you say a blessing, you, make a pray, you say a prayer or even study some Torah during your lunch break. Wow! Now all the work you do is uplifted and filled with holiness. So indeed, we're all sanctuary builders. See, because everything we do is an opportunity to create a home for God. So everything we do, if it's in order to create a home for God, has to be done in a way that's befitting for the king of kings. If for a king we would make a beautiful palace, how much more so we need to do this for the king of kings? And that is a millionaire's mindset. It's not always about the money in the bank, but rather how we act through every moment of our day. We need to be Mikdash builders, Mishkan builders, sanctuary builders. We need to do every moment of our lives, every moment of our day should be filled, infused with some holiness. You know, there's a famous saying that the Rebbe has said to us many, many times and in turn, I have said to you especially when the going gets tough, but really we should be thinking about this all the time. And in fact, a number of years ago we made these beautiful bracelets that had this saying on it. And here's the Yiddish word of the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. It's a Yiddish phrase. Tracht gut sein good. Think good and it will be good. Say it together with me. Tracht gut sein gut. Think good and it will be good. Now, if you want to take a little poetic license, a little inspiration from this idea, we can similarly encourage ourselves to think big think big and it'll be big. When we keep this in mind when we realize that every single moment of our existence is, or at least should be, dedicated to serving God, then we can hope and strive to approach everything we do with wealth, with excellence, and with magnificence. That's got to be a real word. Peter, you going to help me out? With beauty. We can transform every moment to be a millionaire's beauty. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy... Mordechai ben David's Yerushalayim is not for sale. Indeed, it's ours. And when I say ours, it's yours and mine. And every single Jew has an ownership to the land of Israel and to the city of Jerusalem. And therefore, no, it's not for sale. (music)
0: of construction atop our Jerusalem mountains a campus luring innocent souls to drink from the forbidden fountains like many before they've come here for war we're warning them now it won't pay Jerusalem Holiness crying, defiling her dearest location. Politics blinding a sense of pride. Are we not the chosen nation? Together as one, we will overcome, bringing her freedom today. Yerushalayim is not for sale, voices crying. Thundering throughout our cities You better run for your life Back to Utah Overnight before the mountaintop opens wide to swallow you aside? Lush your lime, your foes will fail Senseless trying, he's guarding his hold This fiercely fighting truth, dampening that spark still burning. So wake up, my friend. This is the very end, the arrows. Of- Crying thundering throughout our cities. You better run for your life back to Utah overnight before that mountain top opens. Why to swallow you inside? Lucia is not for sale. This crying thundering throughout our cities. You better run for your life back to Utah overnight before the mountain top opens. Why to swallow you inside? Lucia
3: At the beginning of today's show, I mentioned the famous Mishnah that says that when we enter into the month of Adar, we increase in joy. Why does the Mishnah encourage us to increase in joy when we're coming close to Purim? You would think if Purim is a joyful time, then we would feel the joy on our own. Why do we need to be encouraged, to feel the joy. So you heard a great answer to this, and that is because Purim is thirty days before Pesach, and Pesach, Passover, makes people nervous. So what happens when they hear Purim is in a week and a half? They st- what all they do here is Purim is a week and a half. That means Pesach is in five and a half weeks. So we have to be reminded to sit back, relax. And rejoice as we're coming close to Purim. Okay, if that's the reason, then let's sit back a little bit and we'll talk a little bit about Purim. What is Purim? So first, we'll start with the word of Purim. The word Purim itself, as it's written in English. And I can tell you, you know, throughout the story of Purim, there's a lot of hidden parts. You know that the Megillah itself the Megillah itself is the only book of the Bible of the Torah that doesn't have God's name at all. And the reason for that is because God was hidden throughout the entire story of Purim. And that's one of the reasons why we dress up on Purim. We cover our faces to look, to hide the true us when it comes to Purim because the true us is the God inside of us. Esther's name means hidden. So the whole story of Purim has hiddenness within it. So let's take the English word Purim. It's spelled P-U-R-I-M. That means within Purim itself you and I are hidden in there. You don't know how? Say it again. P-U-R-I-M. You and I are hidden within the word of Purim because within all the different themes that exists for Purim, the greatest, most important part of Purim is Jewish unity. And let me tell you why. When the wicked Haman, Boo! Okay, you can say Boo every time I say his name if you like. So when the wicked Haman approached King Achashverosh, and he was hoping to get the king to agree to give him his royal stamp of approval for his awful, awful plot against us, Haman knew that it wasn't going to be a simple task to convince the king. And let me explain why. See, the king, like all normal people, was simply terrified of starting up with the Jews because the Jews have a God. And starting up with the God of the Jews is never a good idea. God has a reputation. He heard about Egypt. He heard about the other anti-Semites and where they ended up. So he wasn't ready, easily convincible that he should start up with the Jewish people. So he was terrified. Haman, on the other hand, wasn't so terrible, terrified. He wasn't so normal and he wasn't so terrified because Haman was a descendant of the nation of Amalek. And now you're going, who? Amalek what? Amalek. You never heard of Amalek? Next Shabbos, you should join us in Shul because we're going to be reading about Amalek. It's actually a very, very important parsha to listen to. In fact, it's known as the only biblically mandated portion of the Torah to listen to. You know, every Shabbos we read from the Torah. But that's ordained by the rabbis that we should read from the Torah. But the one we're going to read, this coming Shabbos, about Amalek, is biblically ordained. So let me tell you who they are. When the Jews were marching out of Egypt and they were triumphant, they finally overcame the world's superpower, the rest of the world heard what happened to the Egyptians and they scattered. When they heard Jews were coming, they ran away. They were trembling in fear. They didn't want to start up. with the, they were, These people were hot. The Jews people, were, you know that song, Can't Touch This? The nations of the world were scared and they said we can't touch this. But there was one nation who were, if you might say, they were out of their mind, they were out of the collective mind. They were filled with hatred. And they launched a suicide attack against the Jews just because of their hatred. And that was a Malik. And now this Haman guy from the story of Purim, he came from those guys. So he was determined to fight the Jews at all costs. But the king, Achashverosh, he wasn't from Amalek. So Haman knew he had a job to persuade the king. So how could he persuade him? He could persuade him by convincing him that God only looks out for the Jews when they're Jewish. And he had to explain to to Ahasuerus that right now they're not Jewish because they're assimilating and they're not acting Jewish. So yeah, let me read to you a little bit about the speech that he gave to Ahasuerus. And you can come hear it yourself. Monday night, March 6th at 6 p.m. We're going to read the Megillah and you'll hear the speech. And again, we're going to be reading it during the day on Tuesday at the Purim party. At 5 p.m. on March 7th, make sure you're joining us and go to our website jewishma.com, j e w i s h m a.com, and register to join us for these events so you can hear the speech directly from the Megillah. This is what he says. He says there is one nation. Am echad bein amim. You know what that means? It means that this one nation is scattered and separate among the peoples throughout all the provinces of your kingdom. And he continues. He says that this group, their laws differ from those of every people and they do not keep the king's laws. And he concludes, it is therefore of no use to the king to let them be. So who is he talking to? When he says this little speech, who is he really talking to? When he says the king, who is he really addressing? Whose laws is he saying that the Jewish people aren't keeping? So it's explained that it's clear that he was speaking to Achashverosh. But also, he was speaking to God himself. The king he was referring to, besides Achashverosh, he was referring to the king of the universe. And he's saying, he's trying to convince both of them that the Jews are straying from their mandate And therefore, they're not deserving of having God's protection. He was convincing Achashverosh that God won't protect them. And he's convincing God, so to speak, that God shouldn't protect them. So now having established that, I find it so telling by the opening words that he says. He starts off his little speech. First and foremost, he says, the Jews are one nation. They're Am Echad. Am Echad. One nation. Scattered and separated. Far worse than the fact that the Jewish people weren't perfectly observing all of the king's laws, all of God's laws, far worse than that was the fact that we, the one nation, the Am Echad, were not united. The one nation, Am Echad, is scattered and separate. Haman was a hate-filled idiot. But he was, he was definitely not a dummy. And he knew, when speaking of the Jews, the worst accusation possible is not that the Jews are not religious. That's an accusation. A good accusation. But worse than that was that the Jews are divided. Because, you know, we say in the Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, and the last words are Hashem Echad. Just like God is one, Hashem Echad, so too the Am Echad, the one nation, needs to be united. They need to be one, indivisible. They need to to be at peace with each other. Our nation's theme, everything we stand for, is Echad. Is one God is one, and we are one. Doctors, lawyers, inventors, musicians, um, scientists, Nobel Prize winners we have a huge list, but they're, they're not who we are. It's not what defines us. What defines us is one word, echad. We are one. It's our essence, it's our identity, it's our calling, it's our claim to fame, our mission, it's our purpose. Oftentimes people talk about the DNA test they take. You know what the DNA test is? Am Echad. We must live united because we are united at our core. It's just the way it is. Even Haman knew it. He knew that we are Am Echad. And that's why he started off, everything he said is Am Echad who are acting separate. Acting separate. Disjointed and and, and, and not united. And Queen Esther also knew this. Hamon was smart, but Esther was smarter. Before she goes on her mission to ask the king to change the decree, again, if you want to know all this cool story stuff, join us next week to hear it. And go to JewishMA.com today to sign up for it. So before she goes to the king to get him to change the decree, she sends a message to Mordechai. And she says to him, the first word she says, go assemble the Jews. Now obviously, what what did she say to assemble the Jews to do? To do good deeds. To fast, to pray, to ask God for forgiveness. But more importantly, her opening words were, assemble them, bring them together. They need to be as one. The Jews united and the king Changed his mind. And again, the king, Achashverosh, and the king, God, changed his mind. And within 48 hours, Haman was gone and all his angry, hateful, pea-brained, foul-mouthed children went with him. Nothing and no one could stand up to Jewish unity. It's more than a force of nature. It's a force of supernature. We must not fight with each other. Our unity is our strength. Who knows why the Jews in the Purim story were scattered and separated? We have no idea what the reasons were. Maybe there was some holy war that they were waging against each other over, you know, like what's going on in Israel now, over judicial power. Who knows what very important reason Jews weren't getting along with each other when I I, 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 you may have seen well if it was a video you would have seen I, I did air quotes when I said very important war because there is no war that's worthwhile for Jews to fight against each other it doesn't matter there's no difference they were separate it was foolish it was a dangerous gamble and it nearly ended in tragedy God forbid It was only because they listened to Queen Esther's urgent call to do what? To unite, to reunite. And that's what brought about the miracles. I want to say today to all of us that God should grant our people of Israel living in the land of Israel and the Jewish people everywhere. God should grant us the wisdom to heed the Rebbe's urgent call. The Rebbe is the Mordechai of our generation. And the Rebbe gives us the urgent call to reunite and then we're guaranteed to see great miracles. In in the Megillah it says, when things turned around, and we say this every Saturday night, we said it last night, we had a big Avdalah here at Chabad. And during the Avdalah, everyone repeated the words after. Chani, our daughter Chani said the words and everyone repeated after him, that the Jews, the Yehudim, all of them have light, gladness, joy and glory. And then concluded with, so shall it be for us. As we get together for the festivities of Purim. Remember how Purim has you and I in the name of Purim? I bless you and I and all the Jewish people the blessing of peace the blessing of unity and the blessing that all the miracles we want and need and the most important miracle the miracle of the revelation of Mashiach which is going to happen but through our unity we're going to make sure it happens and happens now. And here's one more get up and dance song, Am One Nation, by Ari Goldwag. It's a Hebrew song. It's a great, upbeat, dancing kind of song. And if you want to do your uh, exercise to the song, go right ahead. You can do that too. Dancing is the best exercise you can ever get. So get up. Don't be afraid. Am we're one nation. Ten Liad, give me a hand. Because shevet achim gam yachad, we sit all together as one.
1: She's a new baby, she's a new baby, a new baby,
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the most important website you got to remember is www.jewishma.com. Get a pen, get a pencil, write it down. www.jewishma.com. On that website, you have everything you need for Purim to register for the Megillah, for the Purim parties, for the everything you need is all there on our website, jewishma.com. Unfortunately, the Purim project, well, fortunately, but unfortunately for some, the Purim project is closed. We already are um, sending out uh, the gifts starting today. People are coming to pick up the gifts. But whether you took part in the project or you didn't, you can take part in bringing joy to others by delivering these to the homes around in our community. So again, reach out to Rachi, R-O-C-H-Y, at GathChabad.com. R-O-C-H-Y at G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D dot com. And let her know when you can come today, tomorrow, Tuesday, and have them delivered within a week to the people and bring joy. And that will bring you joy. And I look forward to spending Purim with you. A quick shout out of a happy birthday to our granddaughter, Chana Munitz, Uh, This past Thursday, happy first birthday. May you have a Shnas Hatzlacha, a year of success. And to the parents as well, both for her birthday, but also an extra shout out to Mushki and Shmuli Munitz today at their anniversary, the second wedding anniversary. Mazel Tov and Shna Hatzlacha. And at this point, I want to let out a little secret. And that is that, as you may know by now, Right after Purim, Rachi and I are embarking on a trip together with uh, community members on the awesome JLI land and spirit experience in Israel. And during that time when we're away, the community that's here is going to be lucky to have Shmuli and Mushki Munits along with their daughter Chana um, take over the Chabad house For those couple of weeks that we're going to be away. And uh, we'll feel bad missing out on taking part with them. But you have the chance to take part with them. And to enjoy the next couple of Shabbases after Purim. um, With this amazing couple. So you're welcome to show up and join for Shabbos uh, services. And all the other programs that they're going to do. And early thank you to uh, Mushki and Shmuley and Chana for coming and doing this for our community. And now remember that your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. Lechayim.
2: You've been listening to Sunday Shmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.
0: is toch oud hebela volin Do all have a have a love of me, do